podcast with Tola Dole Fisher. Hello and welcome. This is Woman Alive with me, Tola Dole Fisher. This is the podcast for Christian women where I'm chatting with real women about real life and real faith. Just because it's Christmas time does not mean that all our difficulties go away. But actually, Christmas is fundamentally where our hope starts, isn't it? That Jesus actually came to earth. If people have hope, it changes the perspective somewhat. It causes them to then say, OK, this is not it then. I believe the better. The Woman Alive podcast is produced in partnership with Open Doors. Welcome back to the Women Alive podcast. I'm your host, Tola Dole Fisher, and the premise for this podcast is that I sit down with guests to discuss one of our recently published articles. This episode is being released on the first day of the final month of the year, because it's almost Christmas, and what a year it has been. In the December issue of Women Alive, we've got lots of encouraging stories about hope and resilience, but also joy, just to really capture the spirit of this incredible season. Our cover interviews with worship leader Lucy Grimble, who went from struggling with self-doubt to leading thousands in worship. We also hear the real-life story of Melissa Oden, who always knew she was adopted, but found out in her teens that she had survived an abortion. And there's an incredibly uplifting story by Anne Kidd, who after years of singleness got married aged 66. To read this issue, head over to womanalive.co.uk and click on the subscribe button. But for now, let me introduce today's guests. So with me today, I have Claire Musters. Claire is a writer, speaker and editor. Claire is also the host of the Women Alive Book Club on Facebook. And her new book, Christmas Voices, is filled with reflections, carols, poems and prayers for this festive season. Featuring some familiar voices, including Premier Presenter Pam Rhodes and Premier's Director of Content, Charmaine Noble-McLean. And we also have Maxine Brooks. Maxine is a singer, songwriter and vocal director who helped me before warm up for this podcast (laughs) of the award winning Birmingham Community Gospel Choir. Since 2005, the choir has been spreading hope to people in Birmingham and the rest of the UK. BCGC has performed on BBC Songs of Praise, various renowned stages across the country and has also appeared on well-loved albums, including Gareth Malone's A Great British Christmas. Welcome, Claire, and welcome, Maxine. Thank you. Thank you. People listening can't see this, but they're both wearing red with no, no, that there was no memo beforehand. They just turned up in the most festive colours. Absolutely. (laughs) That's what we do, isn't it, Claire? It's it's almost Christmas. (laughs) It is. Thank you. Um, Okay, so just to introduce you a little bit more, apart from your excellent bios, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about our favourite season. I'm saying our, but it's my favourite season, so I'm going to extend that uh, favourite season to you guys as well, so it can be our favourite season. Um, I've got two questions to ask you. The first one is, what is one thing you look forward to during the festive season? And then the second question is, what's your favourite Christmas memory? And they might be connected or they may not. And I'm going to start with you, Maxine. What's one thing you look forward to during the festive season? And what's your favourite Christmas memory? The one thing that I look forward to 
during the Christmas season is absolutely time with my family, my grandchildren. It's about just having fun together. It is a very special time. It really is like no other time. Um, and that's my favorite. My favorite is really the Christmas, the getting together, the the fun, the laughter, the food, food, food. Who would have thought? <laughs> um, and and so that's one of the things. The the other question um, you said. What was the other question? Now, what's your favorite Christmas memory? Okay, so one of my favorite Christmas memories. There, there are a few. I think one of them at our church, because I'm a pastor as well, and we extended some time over Christmas to um, have the homeless come and sleep on our church floor with blow up Mm. beds and stuff and be warm because it was freezing a couple of years ago, just just slightly post COVID. And that was one of my greatest memories, because although I love the family and we had fun and everything like that, there was something about that heart that we had that I felt that makes it a little bit more special. It kind of brought Christmas home as an individual that it's bigger than just the family and all the fun. I And I think I, I speak that ju- not just as a, a church member and a pastor, really, but the I felt that that's what the, was echoed with the other church members also that served in that capacity. It was beautiful. So that was my best memory so far. I love that. Mm. And, I, and I really hope you have another amazing memory this year. Um, Claire, what's one thing you look forward to during the festive season and what is your favourite Christmas memory? Oh, I'm going to be a bit naughty and say two. Um, but sure, they, go and for And they're it. kind of the opposite of each other. So I, I would say the same, that actually just having some time off with my family. Um, like you, I'm involved in church leadership. My husband's our pastor and I'm part of the wider leadership team. So in the run up to Christmas is absolutely manic. So actually being able to stop is wonderful. But I really love all of that. When we come together and do our, our carol service and when we do those things that brings in the community into our church building, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Just seeing everybody come together because Christmas time is a time where you get more people that might not come across your front door at other times. Um, and it's just a wonderful celebration of your wider community as well. So, yeah. So while I might be looking forward to the time off afterwards with my family, I really love that as well. <laughs> and my Christmas memories are a bit tricky, trying to think of pinpoint one. Um, I used to live in America and I loved how big they were at Christmas. And they used to have wonderful Christmas shops. It would be You could just, as a child, it was just like a wonderland. Um, it wasn't. I went back to America a few years ago and went to a big shopping mall expecting to go into a big Christmas shop and they didn't have one. I was so disappointed because they were magical when I was a kid. But I think children really make Christmas and probably some of my favourite memories is just watching my kids when they were tiny and the wonder on their faces when they opened presents. It was just, yeah, that I think probably childlike wonder is probably the, the main thing that stands out for Christmas. I really like the word wonder, especially like as it pertains to this season, because I think, like you say, Claire, you use the word like childlike. I think it is something that we associate with children and not with adults, whereas it feels like we're allowed as adults to have this sense of wonder at Christmas. And, and that's definitely something that I love about it. So the article that we're uh, talking about today is it's the editor's letter that I write in every issue of the Women Alive magazine and this is the one that I wrote for 
uh, the December issue. And the title that we used was Celebrating the Hope That We Have This Christmas. And I'll just read a little bit from that letter. So this year has been pretty full on with news of death and destruction. Sometimes it feels like there actually is no hope. I don't want to I don't want to sound trite, but as I keep having to remind myself, even if it feels like there is no hope, there is always hope in Jesus. I grew up in a series of Pentecostal churches, and in one of them, there was a repeated statement that kept coming out when trouble came, and that was, God is still on his throne. And so in keeping with celebration of Jesus' birth, Jesus is the hope of this world, the December issue of Women Alive magazine is filled with encouragement to that effect. And some of that you might have heard earlier when I was talking about uh, Lucy Grimble and Melissa Oden, but there are so many more stories than that. And to start off this conversation, Claire, I wanted to ask about your book, Christmas Voices, which is out now, I think, or is out soon. It's out, out, out in September. Yeah, they did it early. Amazing. <laughs> um, so you shared a, se- uh, a series of precious moments to help people reflect and rest in God's presence. So I just want to ask you, why do you think hope is such an important message to share in this season? Um, I think because of some of the things that you brought out in your letter there, that actually just because it's Christmas time does not mean that all our difficulties go away. Um, but actually Christmas is the, it is fundamentally where our hope starts, isn't it? That Jesus actually came to earth and that's what we're celebrating. That's where our hope begins. Obviously um, it was his death and resurrection um, that bore the fruit of that, but actually the fact that he came to earth. And so I think it within my book, I've, I've tried to pick not the usual um scriptures that we turn to I've actually gone to some some places where like Hannah where she was lamenting and um, was misunderstood it's actually that we can we can be honest at Christmas time and actually it's in that honesty that we're able to find hope and and I think um, just trying to paper over and put on a bright plastic smile and just um, go out and be all joyful when it's not real is not helpful but actually there is a hope that we have no matter what our circumstances. And, and that's actually really helpful to remind ourselves of that as we start going into this Christmas season, because we can get so wrapped up in all the trappings, but actually forget, actually we can rest in that hope wherever we're at right now. Yeah, that is true. And I, I do feel there is almost, I mean, I like to be joyful. I mean, I don't know anyone that would say they don't like to, but I feel like there is extra pressure to be yes. joyful uh, and to kind of deny what might really be going on not that that's you're denying it but you're kind of pushing it aside because you have to be happy because it's christmas um, and and that's not that's not really helpful or help healthy even um maxine you've been part of many christmas services and concerts i'm sure as part of your work in the choir but also as a church leader so how have you seen music bringing hope to people during christmas well, we're doing a, a debut uh, musical called Christ is Born at my small local church. So our choir, my choir is actually going to portray the wonderful and beautiful experience around Christ's birth. And so what we're saying to the community who came, they came to John 11, because we do something at Easter, we do something at Christmas. And I think our message, therefore, is to say how important the meaning of Christmas is with Christ's birth 
and the beauty of it. And then there's some nice little funny things that you wouldn't necessarily see scripturally, but are around real people doing real things. And so we, I feel that our message uh, this year, alongside all the other things that are going on and all the past things that we're doing, because of course we'll be singing Christmas carols as well, but there'll be a bit of a script, there'll be a bit of drama, a bit of just, you know, just fun. And I, I feel that people come, the message hasn't changed but I think what is so beautiful about the message of Christ at Christmas time is how we really magnify his name and we become more, I don't know if it's animated is the right word, but we come a lot more sensitive to the fact that you, you said something, Claire, and it hit me about, you know, um, with your book and, and what people are thinking, um, perhaps. And what, what hit me was if people are in a situation with we we know told you said that about what they're going through in the world and we know what's on the news and it's awful really but if people have hope it changes the perspective somewhat it causes them to then say okay this is not it then I believe for better and we can encourage them with all the reality being real say yeah I've I've, I've lost somebody and this has happened I mean Christmas day as a nurse because I also am a qualified nurse and when we were on the wards with people sick dying and so on and so forth we during Christmas time had to really still be positive be real but not be down in the dumps and and make everything so really heavy so we'd lift them up with real joy and say it's okay your treatment's working it's okay such and such is coming to visit you later they've called and you know we we keep bringing up so I think it's so important that whether people are well and they attend our you know uh services carol services respectively and you know the, the communion whatever we're doing at Christmas time in our churches I think what's lovely is that they can engage with us because we're sharing Jesus with them in reality we're a face and the hand and the feet of him and I've found it, I count it such a privilege to be able to minister and witness in that way for Jesus that, you know, we sing, sometimes we don't sing, we pray, sometimes we cry. It's wonderful. This is reality. And I think that's really good, especially in this season, because not everybody's like us. What is us? You know, yeah. it's nice to, you know, be engaging then really. Yeah, I love that. And the thing is as well, is that everyone can sing or have a go everyone can open their mouths and have a go at singing it's a very welcoming thing I think and I went to a christening not too long ago um, and the godparents were saying they don't really go to church normally um, but one thing they said they loved about going to church was the singing they just love that because it feels like everyone's together everyone's doing the same thing and we're all kind of it feels like there's a movement of people all engaged in the same thing and that like is a very lifting and hopeful experience Yes. Uh, so both of you have mentioned you enjoy being with your family and um, both mentioned children being an important part of Christmas. Um, obviously, people don't. Not everyone has children or has a partner or is close to their families. Um, do you think that the typical tradition of, oh, it's Christmas, you should go home and be with your family is actually alienates people that don't have that structure to go to return to? Yes, I think it can. And, and I think... Um, a good church family will recognise that and be aware of that um, and also ensure that the lonely are within families, whatever that looks like. Um, and if you see um, your church as a family, then hopefully you will be scooping up everybody. Um, and it is, it is tricky. I mean, we have opened um, our church building to the homeless over a number of years. Um, I have been to um, help out at a um, 
a shelter on a Christmas day um, before. Um, but for me, um, I grew up in a household where my mum was a Christian and my dad wasn't. And Christmas Day was always a, we're going to honour him and we're not going to rush out and do loads of things. We are going to be together as a family. So I think it looks different for everybody. Um, and now, obviously, being part of a, um, a pastoral family, um, we have a lot that we do on a Chris, on Christmas Day. And then I take a step back um, and we always used to go and visit my family because my mum was deteriorating so rapidly. So we made that choice to do that. But there are many people within our church family who make sure those that are on their own are brought into. And they've said they've I mean, just the other day we were talking about it um, and reminiscing about some of the Christmas days that they've had. And um, one family that was so good at it had um, loads of different single people around. And they said one of them was so amazing. She found out who was coming, what, um, who they were and then handmade presents for each one of them. And she just said, I haven't done something like that for you. And she's like, but you've opened your home to us. And so there is there is a depth of relationship that can come when you open up. And OK, it might not look exactly the same for everybody. But as long as you're aware um, of those who might be on their own, because, yeah, I mean, it, it, nothing could be worse, I guess, than knowing that everybody's going off to family and they've forgotten you. And I think we have to be really careful about that as churches. Yeah, totally agree. I think as well, because that was our first time and our first venturing out with opening the doors at Christmas time and during that winter time for the homeless, it acutely allows and allowed me to be aware and be grateful for what I have, but also then identify of how things could be differently. Um, and I really gave God a lot of thanks for that because of the, the reason and the time in the season. So I think I don't, I think it's right and it's fair. We are blessed. Uh, I, I think blessings are seen in different ways. So I've got my family, I've got my grandchildren and we have fun and, you know, we there's food everywhere and it's fantastic. But because of the experience and because of my mindset now, having walked through that journey with those that didn't have a family. So it broke my heart when we said goodbye at eight in the morning after they had breakfast. And I thought, where are you going to go for the rest of the day? Because we can only do a portion. You know, they can't, they can't all live in the house with us and, you know, we're a happy family because it's not the Waltons and, you know, and my mind can reach and our minds and our hearts can reach out to so many people out there. But I think if we do something, it's enough. The least that you do is precious in his sight. So although I do have my happy family time at Christmas time, I'm now aware. I now take time that, you know, if I go into a shop and I think there's somebody sitting there, I wonder what present they'd like. Oh, I'd go and actually ask them, do you need another hat? Do you need a scarf? What do you need? Do you want a hot drink? And when they give me their order for food, it's like, okay, slow down. <laughs> but it, it, I'm serving a need mm -hmm. and it makes me feel that I'm doing something because I do have my family and there's no apologies for that. There's no sadness or let me hide them away. No, but then my conversations with somebody that doesn't is very, is still very sensitive and very inclusive of the fact that, you know, um, yeah, okay, what, is there anything I can do? And where are you going? And following that up. So I'm not just saying hi, giving them the food and walking away. It's that follow-up. And, and I think that's important because what makes us special people and maybe that impact, and I never, I, I don't think about that. That's certainly not the first thought, but imagine if they had lost their family on, and they're on the streets now and that we pay attention, that we notice them, that then allows them to say, wow, then I'm, 
like family because this lady or this gentleman paid attention to me. So I am not not important. I'm important. So they're taking a gap out of their busy lives to notice me and to help me. So I, I feel that's also important, you know. So like, as you said, Claire, I thought that was so beautiful that you balanced it with your father. Uh, and although the, our religion and faith wanted us to move out and serve everybody, you you have to serve at home first. I do agree with that. And so, you know, your dad was really blessed with everybody remembering him because some of us, unfortunately, we do. We just, yeah, right, leave the family. Don't worry about that. Let's uh, let's go out on the streets. Let's not eat Christmas dinner. Let's give it away. Children, you'll be all right. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no. from one, ex- one extreme to the other yeah yeah. yeah so yeah so I, I do appreciate my family but I also now am more sensitive to those without and very careful to include them in the joy um and see what I can do to support because I can't do other than what I can do yeah and and absolutely it's about not denying your own families as well because the thing is you're both church leaders I wonder if you get into this headspace of people saying to you what about single people what about people who've got no children what about this what about that and then I, I wonder if it makes you almost feel guilty about what you do have to the extent to which you then neglect yours to make up for the lack of someone else has but actually if we see church as a family like I think Claire said this this church the church is a family is your family then no one should in in the church for sure should be alone at Christmas because there is that family support there. Yes. So I'm really encouraged by that. And I hope people listening are really encouraged by that. Um, another Christmas tradition is gift giving. Now, one of my love languages is gifts. And people think that means I am selfish. Doesn't mean that I'm selfish. I also like to give those gifts. But when people give me gifts, it makes me really happy unless... I don't like them, in which case I don't get that happy. But how do you feel about gift giving? Because right now, I mean, money is tight for many people. Um, and I think Christmas is one of those times of year where you can feel burdened to give gifts to everyone you know, everyone you're going to see at Christmas. How do you how do you balance that? And do you think it's the Christmas tradition that is important? Do we need it? Um, personally, I give few gifts. I give my time more. So I I balance it out. So financially, I'm never put into a position. Yes, the grandchildren, because they're children, they they get a lot. (laughs) And that's actually okay. My daughters, we've all agreed, my parents, what do you need? Do you need anything? We cool. Should we just do a big thing on your birthday? So we balance it. Um, So in terms of a financial aspect, it's been, it's not just monitored, but it's been very realistic. I like the idea. I love to see the presents under the Christmas tree. I get involved with that, but I don't take it to heart to say, oh, I need to now put X amount of money aside to do this or that. I just, no. So it's important. So yes, I, I think it's lovely, but not at any cost. I think we have to be realistic. And also what I love is, as you were saying, Claire, um, and a friend of mine, he and his wife make handmade chocolates for all of their friends that's the thing when you put you into the present rather than going on the shelf and thinking 20 pounds for you I like you 50 pounds for you I love you mm, <laughs> just a card for you <laughs> you and I you know and and then you balance it and, and it wait people are weighed up with the finance so I think what I love and I, I really need to find a thing apart from just singing is the gift that is more me made and unique for me to that person than to buy off the shelf 
Yeah, that that reminds me actually. When I was a, a penniless student, and I got married at the end of my second year, so we had no money at all. My husband was uh, on a pittance in a recording studio, working round the clock. Um, and so we made things. I painted pictures for everybody in our family and our close friends, and he made chocolate truffles. Um, and it took a long time. It was a lot of effort, but everybody was so touched because it, you are giving of yourself. Um, and that's and actually we, we found that again in the lockdowns. A lot of us in, in the church really got into baking again. I'm not a great baker. My husband's brilliant. Um, and we found as a leadership team, when we shared gifts, we'd all kind of had the same idea. And our favourite baking recipes, we made up little hampers for each other. And again, that was more personal because it was the things that we tried out and the things that we loved. Um, I, I do, To be honest, I do feel a pressure. Um, I think this time of year, it's quite busy work-wise, quite busy church-wise. And then there's a, oh, we've got all these people to buy for. Um, I'm behind this year. Uh, it's also our son's birthday um, in just over a week, which he keeps reminding us. Uh, <laughs> so there is a lot on. But, yeah, we have been very realistic. As soon as our family started having kids, we kind of pared back, OK, let's let's just buy what we can afford rather than just being silly about it um, and stopped buying for the adults. Um, but then things happen and you want to show you care. I can remember... My sister um, had a, uh, got divorced and so I was like, well, I want to buy for her again because I want her to know that she's loved. So in that period, um, so we've started that back up. Um, so, yeah, I think we're we're not silly about it. And I think there is such a pressure to to get the latest thing and, the, and show show your love by the amount you buy. And that that's just kind of is buying into the commercialism. It's actually. I think showing that you've thought about what you're giving somebody. So you're giving a bit of yourself, but you're also thinking about them and what they would like. I think that's the more special thing. But of course, that takes time. Yeah. <laughs> it does. I like this craft Christmas that you guys embarked on, Claire. That sounds like it just took too long. Yes, Painting I could not do that now. <laughs> and a picture for every person in your house. That's that's dedication. But they're still, people still have them. And some of them, I was like, oh man, I wish I hadn't given that away. I really <laughs> like that. <laughs> have you heard of re-gifting? <laughs> That's for it back. <laughs> um, I was going to say something about gifts, actually, that I think is really interesting. Well, so I didn't celebrate Christmas growing up um, because we went to a church that went, we went to church on Saturdays. It wasn't Seven Day Adventist, but it kind of followed similar traditions. Um, and then so only in my adulthood, I really experienced Christmas with my now ex-husband because his family loved Christmas and I loved Christmas and I love it now. But I found it really strange that there's this big build up to Christmas, people buying presents like for this frenzy. And then on Boxing Day, Boxing Day, the very next day, people are out again shopping for more stuff. And I, look, I love shopping, but that feels a bit extreme. Mm. You know, and and also I what I found really annoying because I'm a shopper, but I also like getting a bargain. Is that the next day it's yeah. like half the price? So I was always tempted to say, "Can you just wait a day, and I'll just yeah. give it to you tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> when I can afford it?" But I, I wouldn't do that now because <laughs> nobody would like that. <laughs> um, so just to kind of round up this this conversation because it it I mean we have laughed a lot but it has been a really about like trying to get uh, understand what it means in terms of hope for people this Christmas and because Christians love acronyms there's one that someone told me about hope recently 
Um, and it's, um, I think it's ho- hold on pain ends. That's it. Hold on pain ends for hope, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I wanted to ask you both if you can, I mean, it sounds quite general, but to say, but if you can give advice on how we can find hope at any time, but maybe particularly this Christmas time where things are really busy, as you said, Claire, and there's lots of expectations and pressure, but and also the news in general, what's going on all the time. How can we find hope? Uh, well, I think um, one of the things that God has impressed upon me um, over the last few years, and I know we've all gone through so much um, as a nation, as a world, and there's so much going on, but personally in my own life as well, um, just the importance of being honest and allowing what's going on inside to come out. So I am very much um, an advocate of lamenting, which it's not really normal thing to talk about Christmas joy, but actually I see it as um, a way of showing hope because you are actually holding on to God. You're not turning away from him. You're saying, okay, this is not as it should be. This is not as I know your word says, as I know your character is, but I'm refusing to let go. So I would say if you're finding it hard, um, to to go to the to the word to go to the places like the psalms and actually spend some time just sitting with those and and allowing because in mo- a lot of those psalms you see they outpour their pain to god and yet they turn to worship um, and then and they t- they turn to declaring truths about him and you see they go on a journey within those um, and and i would say worship is a key as well so actually singing um, at Christmas time is a brilliant if you uh, look at um, and there, a review came in for Christmas voices today actually and she said we all know Christmas carols um, we we sing them every year but actually having the words printed in this book and having people comment on them has me- really made us slow down and think oh my goodness the richness of of what the words that are contained in so many of these carols and for somebody who is not facing anything particularly difficult at the time. I think you are right. It's such a busy time. Again, I would say it's about just slowing down and giving ourselves a chance to remember um, and reflect on what the the reason is and allow ourselves to get uh, that childlike wonder. Actually, I was just went out to um, pick something up with my daughter earlier and I was remembering that she used to stop me when she was a little toddler. I, it took us about 20 minutes to get to the end of our road, which is not very long at all, because every little crack in the pavement, she would find something so interesting. And she loved ladybirds. She would find them all over the place. And I would get really irritated. And then I felt God prod me and said, all right, write a blog about this. She's teaching you childlike wonder. And I think it's actually giving ourselves a chance to just pause just for a moment each day and and allow ourselves a chance to have that childlike wonder when we think about what is this all about it's not about all the trappings it's not about sadly not all about the food although that is amazing <laughs> it's not all about the gifts it's not even all about the family is it's about the real gift this christmas jesus and actually just stopping and pondering that each day is um just refreshes our souls doesn't it yeah yeah Totally agree. I'd just add minimally to that because you said it so eloquently and you said everything that really is on my heart. I think from my environment as well, my thoughts and my experience and my joy and my prayer is that people can come into our church building 
and find the peace of the Lord coming through us as well in that fellowship, Mm -hmm. that the music, that the lyrics, that the words, that his presence is there, because I think it's important to really convey that there is hope, that there is that truth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he came in this season. And yet the next season, you know, um, that we celebrate um, and we acknowledge is Easter. So the two have to be recognized together. So there is the, the the joy of him coming and then there is the sadness of him going, but then he's still here. And that's the, the hope never moves. And so when people are on their journey to try and find hope, to find Christ, to find the light, the life, I think my biggest thing is to make sure that I don't interrupt that journey and that I can do my best in singing and just being there and standing or hugging so that because sometimes it's a hug that gives them hope that, oh, okay, I'm not alone then. I felt that embrace and let them know that that's the hug of Jesus, you know, and I know it sounds very woo, but when they're away from you and they're at home or they're on the street, wherever they are, there are some words that sink in. And that's our prayer as well, that they're not just, you know, words to be said, they're life giving because Christ is the word as well. So whenever we say something of the truth, it should seeds will grow in their hearts so yeah I love that mm-hmm. bringing them into the environment of where we are as believers they actually feel joined to the family which we've said a lot and find a place of hope and peace so when the season's over the season is permanent for them if they find Christ and they know that they can come into our services amongst us and feel at home and feel a, play, a sense of belonging so yeah hope always is in the Lord and so I feel we really do need to make sure that we are welcoming people whenever they come, however they come. <laughs> Thank you both. They're both so beautifully expressed. And I look forward to going to both of your churches and experiencing this at Christmas. But I, as an adult, will be expecting a present because that's my love language. <laughs> So we're now at the next segment of the podcast, which is where we answer our reader questions on sex and relationships. This segment is called Great Sexpectations. And the question we have today is about wondering whether you'll ever meet your husband. Um, So I'm going to read out the question uh, to you, Maxine and Claire, and then you can let me know what you think and how you'd respond to help this reader. Dear woman alive, I've been single virtually all my life. I'm now 38. I've had a few dates here and there and was seeing someone for two months, but that's my complete dating history. I don't feel called to singleness and I really do want to meet someone. My friends tell me I'm great and they can't understand why it hasn't happened for me yet. I get a lot of people saying it's God perfect timing and to be patient and he'll come when he stopped looking. But what if he just doesn't? What if I never meet someone and I never get married? So there's a bit of despair in that question. Um, this is a bit worrying, actually, because 38 isn't old. But um, what do you, I don't want to be to judge, to judge, but what what do you think? Because we haven't got any other information on this. Let me just check. No, there's nothing else in here. But what would you respond to this, to this woman? Um, personally, I would want to sit with her find out her background what she's why what's happening with her um is it a career is she folk what she's focused on um what does she do her friends say she's great 
what what does great mean is, is she a personality for example that's um oh, is she just just for we've all got different personality types is she uh what's the word critical for example is one scenario do you know do you, well I don't agree with that and so on and so forth so the little trends and things that perhaps she might be doing and not knowing about because I think in a, attracting not just men um in terms of life partners but female friends um that we work with I think it's important to have the truth from them but it's also important to see your truth and see perhaps why is it that you're not um is it that she really wants to be married but not really want to do what is necessary because you've got to work on yourself we've got to get ourselves together first before we can then align ourselves with somebody else it's great a lot of single women pray hard they go to a lot of women's meetings hoping for a word etc but I think for me I'd sit with her and say well what do you actually do are you happy with you what if you wasn't going to get married would you still be happy would you still love the Lord and serve him there are some realistic questions I think I'd ask just from a point of view of what my understanding is in relationships where you do have to find out if this is really what you want are you willing to make the sacrifice are you happy for their you know for furniture to be moved to make choices together to consult with somebody to make plans and change your colors and 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 do all that mm. and then agree to disagree and move on in love and and make you know it's a bigger question than just 38 but these are the truths that good sisters and friends, um, and I say sisters in 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 just women to women is what mm. I'm generally would sh- and should share. It is it is really tricky when you have so little information about somebody. But as you said, um, there seems to be some real despair there, and and I think acknowledging that and finding out what she done with that pain, um, because that can become something that takes root inside. Um, and then actually can cause a barrier to her in in other parts of her life, including finding a partner. But actually knowing that Jesus understands. I mean, Jesus it was the most successful human being that ever lived. If you in terms of fulfilling his mission, etc., and yet he was single. I know she says she doesn't feel called to be single, but he can empathise with her and he can come alongside her. Has she actually expressed the pain and disappointment before God? Has she offered the pain and disappointment to God? Or is it something that she's keeping hold of? Um, and um, there's, there sounds like there's a lot of confusion there because her friends are telling her they don't know why she's single either. Um, and then possibly I would go on a journey like Maxina said, actually, God, I, I mean, we, we all have unfulfilled dreams. Um, and it is very tricky to to sit here and say this as a married woman you know my story you know that it was not pain-free at all um and that's the other thing getting married is not like the end goal and everything's rosy afterwards but it does feel quite difficult to sit here as a person who's been married for 30 years and and talk at a single woman i um, i do not want to be talking down to her and and obviously there is a lot of pain there um yeah, but but also as as I said, we do all have dreams that that die, and actually, has she laid this at the altar and said, "I'm willing to sacrifice this"? Because sometimes, I mean, I know she said that people have said to her, 
it's only when you stop looking. I'm not saying that because I would I would say if this is a real dream and you're still still continue to push doors, still continue, um, but have you have you laid the whole of your life down to God, or are you saying actually this is something I'm keeping hold of? I have to have, otherwise it's going to be a barrier between you and I, um, and that that is a really difficult thing. Um, I think. I've learned it in other areas of my life in recent years that actually, am I willing to sacrifice this for God because he's asking me to lay this down on the altar? Um, and sometimes that can be the biggest rest of all because we don't want to. So um, in amongst all of that pain and knowing that Jesus is beside you, actually he wants to take that burden too, but we have to take those first steps and sometimes letting go of that is really, really tough. Yeah, thank you both. There, it, there is a very difficult discussion, just general singleness in the church. And this idea as well that hope means holding on to God, not holding on to the thing that you're expecting for from God, because they are two very different things. And I've definitely experienced in my life being caught up with holding on to the thing that I'm hoping for and, and blaming God if it doesn't happen, because that, you know, you told me to hope. But our hope is in 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 God. Thank you very much, both of you. Maxine, thank you. Thank you, Claire, for being part of today's conversation. Hope you enjoyed it. I certainly have. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so however you're listening to this podcast, however you're listening to this podcast, please save, share, and subscribe. You can read the article we discussed today at womanalive.co.uk. And if there's a conversation you want to hear on the podcast, or if you have a question about sex and relationships, you can email me at womanalive at premier.org.uk. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Join me next time where I'll be speaking with three more incredible women about real life and real things. For more inspiring conversations, articles and opinions, head to womanalive.co.uk. Woman Alive. Real women, real lives, real faith.